What's up, guys? We're the PR Girls, and this is our podcast. Wait, so they're, I'm talking to you, and, and they're watching us somewhere else? Correct. Okay, that's weird, but all right. They're watching on Facebook Live. Oh, okay, sweet. So this is getting ported like directly through Facebook Live. Wow, look at that. Yeah, I know, right? And <laughs> I can't believe you don't know this. I I've, cool. I've never seen anything like this before. This is weird. Really? I yeah. know something cooler than Barstool? Yeah, I guess so. Sweet. All right, yeah. so my class is paying attention. So I just want to do a little bit of an intro first. Okay. All right. So say good things. Guys, in case you guys haven't figured it out, in order to end today's Facebook and Instagram lecture, I figure what better way to do it than to bring one of my favorite people who has strategically used social media since the day I met him to speak to you. So for those of you who don't know, this is Jared, and Jared is the Barstool Sports baseball writer. Mm -hmm. He's from Saugus, mm -hmm. Massachusetts, um, and he's currently in New York. So we are in two very different places, porting in through the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So Jared, say hello to Suffolk University Social Media. Oh, this is Suffolk? Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, can I swear? Is that yeah. bad? Okay. Oh, I swear all the time. All right, cool. Just making sure. <laughs> so you are how old? I'm 29. I'm going to be 30 uh, in April. So I was born on opening day, so I'll be 30 this year. It sucks. You were? Mm -hmm. Not it sucks. great. Yeah. Way to your my age. Um, did you go to college? I went to Endicott. I went to North Shore Community College first because I didn't try at all in high school. Uh, I was just like, I'm throwing in the towel in high school. We'll try in college. And then uh, I transferred from North Shore, went to Endicott. Um, and then I got a degree in business. You did? Yeah. So can you do me a favor can, just to set up? So Barstool Sports is what? I mean, they know what most of them know what it is, but for those who don't, Barstool Sports is what? Um, so like that question was a lot easier to answer a few years ago because it was just a website where we wrote about stuff that guys talk about when they're at the bar. And it has evolved into so much more than that now to where it's like, yes, we have the website, but we also have, um, we have a serious XM radio station. We have a bunch of podcasts. Um, we do video shows. We do live stuff. We do pre-recorded stuff. We have guys that act and we have like skit shows now. Um, it's crazy. We have like a Snapchat channel. We do a bunch of stuff on like Instagram we have girls that do shows. So it's, yeah. it's, it used to be like, yeah, it's like, it's like a guy's site. Like now it's just like everything. Like Caller Daddy yeah. is two girls and their download numbers are, I'm pretty sure they're already number two in the company. Really? Yeah. So like, and they're, they're only on episode 22 and they've wow. just blown past everybody. So yeah, I think it's, it's evolved to where it's just, if it's anything media related, we're doing it. So can you do me a favor? Because I, I want them to understand you work for the number one, you know, content king in this in the sports and lifestyle scene. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Right? Would you say that this is your dream job? Oh God, yeah. I mean, I that's the thing too, is that there's a clear difference 
in Barstool employees from the ones that like either didn't go to college and just went straight to Barstool or they like dropped out of college and went to Barstool. I graduated college, had a shitty job and had to actually sit at a desk in, in at an SEO firm. So like I know what it's like to have a real desk job and then to have Barstool being like, hey, uh, what we want you to do is talk about baseball, which is my favorite thing, like do that. And then we'll give you a two-hour radio show where you can talk about whatever you want, which is yeah. what we do every day. And then on the Snapchat channel, it's like you're making people laugh. That they basically show you like a like a viral Instagram video, and then you just say something reacting to it that's funny or interesting or whatever. And our Snapchat channel is that's our most watched thing that we do. So there's like five of us that do the Snapchat channel, and it's like six million people watch that every single day. And it's just me saying stupid things all the time. So I basically just get to be an idiot for a living. Like I'm a professional idiot. How can you tell me how you went from desk job? Yep. How did you get to Barcel? Um so I started my own Red Sox blog when I was 16. I was in high school. I did that for eight years without getting paid. Um, I started my own podcast when uh, I think that was, I mean, pot, section 10 is my Red Sox podcast. I have section 10 and I have starting nine. Starting nine is my all MLB podcast, but section 10, I started in 2015, but I did one even before that, that never quite took off in like 2014. And I used to do a webcast in 2010. So I, that's when everyone's like, you know, how do I work at Barcelona? How do I like get into the industry? I always tell everyone, just do it yourself. No one is going to hire you to then give you the reps or give right. you the experience. They want to hire people who can do the job. And if you, um, if you already have, have the reps, you, everyone here, everyone watching, everyone listening has the opportunity to give themselves the reps. You can start your own blog. It's very inexpensive. You can start your own podcast. Like even if no one's listening, it's just a matter of getting comfortable on the microphone. And if you're doing like a YouTube channel, even if it's getting 300 views and it's just the people that you have as Facebook friends, doesn't matter. You want to be comfortable on camera. You have to be comfortable behind the microphone and you want to be getting the reps to write every single day. And it used to be that you could do one or the other. You've got to be able to do them all. You have to be able to do them all now. Uh, so that's, that's really like what happened was I just started all my own stuff. Yeah. And then I, I met Dave in 2011 and we just kept in contact. And then when they were looking for a Red Sox guy, I was like the guy that they reached out to. So you didn't even have to apply. They, they, you would, you'd already built yourself up with this following that mm -hmm. they wanted you because with you came this engaged, interactive following automatically. How yeah. did you build that? Um, it wasn't easy at first, and uh, I think I think what happened was I when I first started, which was. 2006. It was New Year's Day. I missed, I was off by one day to be able to say I started in 2005. So it was New Year's Day 2006 is when I started doing it. And back then, Barstool was not a career choice. Like blogging was not a career choice. So I wrote in a certain style that was like these people in the press box write like this. 
So I'm going to have to write like this if I want to do this professionally. So it's kind of like watered down and, you know, whatever. Like it's something that you read in the newspaper. And only until I started reading Barstool and Bill Simmons, a guy like Bill Simmons sort of set the blueprint to where it's like it's okay to be a fan and show that you're a fan when you're talking about what you're writing about. Um, once I started shedding the whole like, oh, like, you know, I'm in the press box. I'm not in the press box. It's okay. I am a fan. That's okay too. When I started writing the way that I talk out loud, that's when people started to gravitate towards it because, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't have sources at 16 years old. So I'm not going to be able to tell you something that you don't already know, but you might find my passion infectious. You might gravitate towards my passion because it's like, I love the Red Sox. You love the Red Sox. Now we're all a different, we're a community. Uh, and that's sort of how it grew was it, it, it was a community of Red Sox fans that came to my website because it was like, well, this guy loves the Red Sox as much as I do. Like, I'm not going to read this guy in the Boston Globe that's a Mets fan, but he's just covering the Red Sox because it's a job. I'm going to read this guy because he right. knows what I'm going through every day. How did you drive people to your blog, though? Uh, social media. Yeah, it was just uh, you did. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was I worked the, so well into this. Tell yeah. us all about how you use social media to get your job at Barstool. Yeah, well, your dream job. You want like the actual story of how I ended up at Barstool because it's 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 very you, you can't copy the blueprint. I'll give no, you the I whole want, story. I want your authentic story about how you built how you use social media to get where you are today. Okay, so my blog started on MySpace because I didn't have any money to build like a WordPress. Like you can do a WordPress and get like a cheap design, like for, it's pretty cheap and like web hosting, stuff like that. I had zero dollars. Like I couldn't afford web hosting. It's very affordable. I just was a broke high school kid. Uh, so I started on MySpace and that had a blog as a feature. So I built up uh, my social media following on MySpace. And then when MySpace started to die, I transferred people over to Facebook. And then when people stopped caring about Facebook and Twitter came out, then it's like, all right, we'll build this up on Twitter. So Twitter has been my biggest social media presence of, of anything. Like Instagram is is pretty good. Like MySpace, I got to like 120-something thousand. And then that, that died and we went to Facebook and I was barely able to get like recoup 10,000 of that. And then we go to Twitter. Now that's like 200,000. And right. then Instagram is like 50,000. So it's it's all different based on what platform you're on. But um, if, you, if, if you get back what you put in. So I live tweet every single Red Sox game. And I've been doing that for 10 years. So like, you know, obviously having Barstool as a backing helps I that. Always. Yeah. Before you were ever on Barstool. Yeah. I mean, like my, my MySpace page, that was pre-Barstool. That was just, you know, you, you start posting every single day. People come to you for updates and now you have a loyal following. Um, so with Twitter getting almost at 200,000 followers, that's, yeah, it's nice to be at Barstool. People know who you are, but in order to people to, to subscribe to you specifically and say, this is a guy that I want to follow. This is a guy whose content I want to willingly see on my timeline you have to be reliable. So every single night I am tweeting Red Sox games. I'm giving you highlights. I'm giving you a reaction, whatever. So building up social media has been everything for me. Like I for sure would not be here without social media. Um, 
but I actually, I got the job at Barstool because it was like, it was a game in like 2014. I had known Dave for like three years, but it was a, a Red Sox game in 2014. I was on the field for the pregame ceremony and the girl that I was dating at the time, you might remember her. She was like the Barbie looking blonde girl. So very hot, very hot girl. I'm not going to lie. So she was down on field level taking pictures of me on the field for the pregame ceremony. And uh, the Nesson cameras took like a video of her and then played it later in the game. And then Feidelberg, who was a barstool blogger, like people were saying, like, send out the smoke patrol. And like, yeah, they were like sending the barstool guys pictures of her from their TVs. And then Feidelberg ended up blogging a picture of my girlfriend. But because I had like a social media following, people were tweeting at Feidelberg being like, that's Jared Carabas's girlfriend. So then he ended up following me, seeing that I did my own Red Sox blog. And then he went to Dave and he was like, I think this is our guy. Like it should be. Because you're not over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I had, which is not like a ton, but I had like 3,000 Twitter followers back then. That was, this was eight years ago, I think. Yeah. Like that when when Twitter came out, it was huge. Right. So he was like, I think this should be our Red Sox guy. And then Dave was like, I know him. I met him a few years ago. And then we started talking. And the next thing you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm at Barstool. So. And so now you're there and how much of, your role do you use social media for um i mean it's anything that i write i always promote on twitter and facebook and i'm starting to do more of that on instagram now that i build up instagram yeah i've i found that the the swipe up feature which isn't because you're a verified account right it's either verified or you have to have ten thousand followers right Right. So you get to swipe up if you have 10,000 or verified, but that is super effective, I guess. Um, so it's a matter of promoting your podcast. Like everything goes through social. Yeah. So when we put out, that's honestly, that's how we built our podcast listenership was we put out these minute promo videos from every show and you can see us like when you can't watch the whole podcast, but there's parts of it that we put out videos to promote the podcast and then it's like every night I'm tweeting Red Sox games. So you're getting more Red Sox fan followers. Right. They don't know about the podcast. But then now you're tweeting out these promo videos being like, hey, you like my Red Sox tweets. Why don't you check out my Red Sox blog? Why right. don't you check out my Red Sox podcast? And then they're like, oh, like that was funny. Maybe I'll watch the whole show or maybe I'll listen to the whole show. So everything feeds back into each other. Right. And it's all through social. So. Do you, so you have an Instagram, you have a Twitter, you have a Facebook. Yeah. You guys have a, you you have with section 10, I believe you have a huge uh, YouTube following now too. Yeah. 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 We're doing uh, this year, we're doing like a vlog where it's going to follow around like uh, everything that we do, like interview wise. When we go back to Fenway on weekends and we interview players, we're going to put the interviews up there. We're going to have a weekly vlog during the season. Um, So like that's, that's our next sort of platform that we're going to be tackling is, is YouTube and vlogging. But you're on, I mean, you're, you're on all, do you have a Snapchat too? I have one, but I don't use it. I only use it to like go on and save the videos from like the barstool Snapchat. And then I take my segments from the Snapchat show and then I post them on my Instagram for just like content to have on Instagram. So you focus on 
the social media sites that you can do well and be successful at mm -hmm. instead of trying to spread it across all and doing some of them half-ass. Yeah. And it's weird because Facebook is still a powerhouse, but it's really hard to build up a personal brand on there. So, I mean, whatever they push out of – when we were doing uh, like the Red Sox Yankee videos, me and Hubs, who's the Barstool Yankee blogger, we would go – to like Red Sox Yankees games, we would make videos of us reacting and then they would post those videos on Facebook and they do really well through like the main Barstool channel. I'm not going to post that on my personal page. Like it's just, there's not enough people there to have like that much of a reaction, but Barstool does, I think Barstool, the month of January, they had more video plays than the NFL then wow. ESPN, yeah, they blew. They had more than and then CBS, and CBS had the broadcasting rights for the Super Bowl. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Facebook is still a monster. I'm just, I mean, it's just tough to build through like one personal page. Right. Um, but yeah, Twitter for me, that's my wheelhouse. It's it's the quick, it's the it's the one liners, it's the reacting right away to something, it's sharing a video, it's making a video that will make someone laugh and sharing it on Twitter. Um, there's so many different things that you can do with Twitter that uh, it's it's easier, it's 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 the easiest to go viral on Twitter. So people just you know retweet, like you know, a bunch of people see it. So, so do you when you because that means I mean if if I'm doing the math correctly, if you're putting all of your stuff on social media, you're on social media all day every day. Maybe yeah. not maybe mm -hmm. not tuned in all the time, but it's running. No, I, yeah, all day every day, all day every day. It's a disease. It, it has to be, you, it, it's, it's, you have to be, you have to be on top of everything 24 seven. Um, that's part of the job is you are never not working. And, you know, you see all these other media outlets and they're going out of business. I feel bad for those people, but those people are punching the clock. It's like, I, I, I'm on the clock at nine, I'm off at five. And if I'm not working, then that's, you know, that's someone else's job. If you want to build up your personal brand, if something breaks and you're the person that covers that, people are supposed to look to you and be like, oh, like for me, if, if, if the Red Sox made a monster trade right now, everyone knows that I would have something on the blog. I would have a tweet up about it. We would do a podcast about it immediately. Right. Like, you, it doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day. Like You know that you're still going to get it. Um, and I think that that's why Barstool succeeds and all these other – some media outlets are not succeeding is because there's no – there's no identity. Like Barstool is, is a reality show that's also a blog. I mean, you're invested in not just the content, the things that these people are writing. You're invested in the personalities that, that the content is coming from. And that is so unique and unlike any other like media outlet that I've ever seen before. So yeah. that's that's super valuable to us. Do you just wing it or do you put some planning behind what you're going to put out on what platform, how you're – like? How, how do you go about it? How have you, like, what is your system? Um, yeah, I mean, like, if I write a blog, I, I tweet it. I put it on Facebook. If it's something that I know is going to be viral, like if, say, David Price says something extremely controversial or very funny and you can tease it a little bit, you know, I would take a screenshot and I would make that an Instagram story be like, You'll, you'll never believe what David Price just said down in spring training. Swipe up to read more. And then you can get conversions that way. Uh, it, it's, 
there's that. And then for games, you know, you're tweeting every single big play. You react to it right away. And then obviously can't, like MLB is strict about their highlights. So if someone hits a home run, you react to the home run and then you wait for someone to post the social clip and you post the social clip. I mean, not everyone is watching 162 games every pitch of the game like I am. Like that, only a psychopath is doing that. So it, you're providing a service to these people. It's like, oh, maybe maybe I'm out on a date tonight and I'm not, you know, we're at a restaurant where there's no TV. But I know that if someone hits a home run on the Red Sox, that that highlight is going to be on Jared's page. So it's it, it takes a lot. You have to stay on top of everything. Um, but that's really it is there's, there's no, I almost, it's, it's crazy to say, but we've created an environment where you almost feel guilty falling asleep. Yeah. Like what if something happens? I remember when, um, John Carlos Stanton got traded to the Yankees and it was, it was either a Friday or Saturday night and all the reports, it was like 11 PM was the first tweet where this is coming together. And then midnight, this is really going to happen. One o'clock in the morning, the pieces are coming together. And I stayed up until five o'clock in the morning and nothing happened. I was like, all right, I'm finally going to go to bed, but I'm going to set my alarm so that I, if anything happens in the morning, I'll still get it. So I went to bed at five and I woke up at nine and it happened at seven. So then Dave, I, I have like these emails and texts from Dave being like, why, why do we have other people blogging this before you? Like you should be on top of this. And it's like, you really do feel guilty for going to sleep because you're never off the clock. And for a story that like, I think the John Carlos Stan trade was the biggest yeah. story of the, of the off season. And I missed it because I was asleep, but it's, you, you have to be, yeah, it's like you have to be strategic about what hours you're conscious, which is another bizarre part of the job. Wouldn't it be easier for you to create one piece of content that you just push one time and it goes across all of the accounts? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really all depends because- But it know, wouldn't you, work. Yeah, you have, you have this audience and it's, you know, 200,000 people is your audience. Some people might want to read it. Some people might want to listen to it. Some people might want to watch it. So you have to give them everything. You know, you, it's, I may not get a blog that has a hundred thousand views, but I might get 50,000, you know, clicks on a blog. I might get 20,000, you know, downloads on a podcast and 30,000 views on a video. And then it's just all encompassing. So you want to get your message out there. You want to reach as many people as possible, but you want to do it in as many ways as you can to reach all those people in the way that they want to consume their content. And how, so that must have taken some work to figure out how to consume that. How did you know what content was going to do well and what content wasn't going to do well? How did you know which platforms were good for what and what mm. and so forth? Yeah, uh, I think with the podcast, we, we really discovered that uh, there is a way to do baseball talk and there is a way to not do baseball talk. And I know that Kirk Minahan, I love him to death. But his tirade that baseball talk is boring, it's like, it's not boring. You're just doing it wrong. I mean, the numbers don't lie. Section 10 is a monster in Boston. And the download numbers are what they are. They're pretty big. So I think it's because we're loose about it. Uh, we take a comedic approach to it. 
Um, it's sarcastic and there's dry humor, but then we also have interviews where players open up in a way that they're not going to open up on WEI. They're just not. They're guarded because some of the talent or, or media personalities are going to ask questions to, to get gotcha answers, and that's just not what we do. So it's, it's our approach. We try to get the best, most unique, funny, interesting content, and then we have to be selective of how we distribute that. So if we do an hour and a half podcast, all right, what was the best 20 seconds? You know, like that's, that's hard. It's, it's yeah. hard to be like, if we're, we're trying to, obviously we want to keep the audience that we have, but we want to grow it. How do you grow it? All right, well, let's, we have an hour and a half of audio. What's the best 20 seconds that we can put on the internet that'll grab more people? Like what's going to get people to, to share it? to someone else that may not even be following us on Twitter. So you're trying to grow your Twitter following. You're trying to grow like the podcast following. And I've always found that um, the easiest way to get somebody to share something is to make them laugh. If you make somebody laugh, you're going to get a reaction. You're going to get a like. You're going to get a retweet. Uh, if it's relatable, that's another way. But if it's just – if the interesting only goes so far. Like if you're scrolling through Twitter – and you're like, oh, that was interesting. You might just keep scrolling. If it makes you laugh, you're like, oh, my friends need to see this. Like I, or I'll screenshot it and I'll text it to them. You know, and then it's like, well, who is this guy? And then they follow you on Twitter, and now there's there's two new podcast listeners. So that's that's I think what I've found is you know relatable, funny. That's always going to get shared. Did you figure? I mean, at this point, you've been doing it for a while. Did you just try a bunch of things and then you eventually figured out what did well and how to make things get farther pushed through the algorithms and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, with, with Twitter, there is no algorithm, which is great. Facebook is a little bit different. Um, you have to be more clickbaity with Facebook because, you know, more likes and then more people, are, it's going to pop up. Yeah, that's why I don't like Facebook. You have to like pay for it to be seen by more people. It's like, dude, if it's good, then it's good. Let people see it if it's good. With Twitter, you post it, people see it immediately right at the top of their timeline. They decide if it's good or not. If it's got a lot of likes and a lot of retweets, hey, I'm going to click on this because obviously a lot of people are enjoying this. Um, so that's why I found that Twitter has been great for driving traffic and and, and growing a, like a podcast listenership. Um, but Instagram too. You know, Instagram... This is a little tip that we learned recently, and I, I haven't implemented it yet because I, I'm just not that type of guy. But uh, I get like we take all this time. We have video editors and everything. So if I come out with a podcast and we record the podcast in studio, so there's video. They do these professional videos of like the audio, and you can see us in the studio, and it'll say swipe up, and we can put graphics on it and everything. Those don't do as well as someone holding up their phone and doing a selfie video saying, hey, guys, uh, we got Xander Bogarts on this week. Uh, he said he had talked about some really cool stuff. Swipe up to listen. That does 10 times better than a, an image that says this is the show. Swipe up or us actually doing the show. Swipe up. It, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know why, but that's that's it works apparently. So it's it's all about finding loopholes and tips and tricks. Yeah. And it, it takes you test it. And you figure out what works for you. And it's you more personal because if I'm yeah. watching Kim Ring, right? If you're interviewing, if you're, if I'm watching you in a room interviewing someone, it's like, all right, well, 
it's cool. I'm, I'm interested in who you're interviewing, but it's like I'm wa- it's almost like I'm watching something on TV. If I'm watching a video of you, like a selfie video, and you're telling me what your interview is about and I can't see it, it's like this feels more personal. It's almost like you're talking to me. Right. So that, for some reason, psychologically gets more people to, to click or swipe up to, to listen or watch. Okay. So um, I'm going to wrap. I'm going to end our little live broadcast with three questions. Okay. Okay. Question one. Mm-hmm. Who has been your favorite person to interview so far? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I know what the answer should be, but I don't know if it is your actual answer. Um, who do you think it should be? The one I got for you. Well, I mean, David Ortiz is like, how could you say no to David Ortiz? David Ortiz was the shortest interview that we've ever done. Yeah. But it was also the coolest. Oh, Julia's in here. (laughs) Your face told me, though, the one that I got you was pretty awesome, too. Well, yeah, but like, it's David Ortiz. Like, if you have David Ortiz in this... And that and that's that's the difference too, is if you have someone in the same room as you versus a phone call versus like a Skype call where you can see them. I was sitting at a table across from David Ortiz with the option to ask him whatever I wanted to ask him. And I I don't know how you top that because he's our generation's Ted Williams. Like I think if if I had if it's like, all right, who's the number one person that you would ever want to interview? It'd be Ted Williams. But he's dead. It's been dead for a while. So I can't do that. Next person in line, it's David Ortiz. And we did that. So that that has to be the coolest. It's David Ortiz. Was Pedro second then at least? Pedro Pedro was was like, did you see the video of me interviewing Pedro? Yeah. Okay. So like my face was glowing the entire That's time. Awesome. Yeah. But it was over the phone. So I was I would look like it, I think if I had the chance to interview Pedro sitting down face to face. And it was, you know, if we got to do Pedro for like 20, 25 minutes in person, that would have beat out David Ortiz for five minutes. Because that's really all we got him for. It was very quick. Right. We had asked him like three questions in and out. Pedro took his time with his answers. And I was just sitting there just like, oh, just like listening to him, like answer all these questions in depth. And it's, I remember thinking to myself during that interview, it is mind blowing that I'm verbally speaking words and then the returning voice back into my ear is Pedro's voice. It was, I was mind blown the entire time. So those, so those are probably my two favorite. The sit down. Will that bump poppy back one? I would say if we got Pedro for like, like 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah. That okay. would be, that would be a lifetime goal. Okay. Noted. Second question. What is your honest take on Ronda Rousey in the WWE? Um, I mean, I, I wasn't crazy about her character because she is supposed to be this badass from the UFC. And then when she came to the WWE, I didn't like how much she smiled. Like I wanted her to be more feared. Like you're not supposed to be like the happy go lucky girl. Like that's not, you're not the girl next door. You're the ass kicker next door. So be that. And I think I would have warmed up to her more. It was like right name. Right spot, like obviously her her time in MMA, whatever. She's perfect for for uh, the wrestling industry. Just didn't I couldn't get into her character as this person that like smile all the time. It's like you're not you're not the happy go lucky girl. You're 
Like, I want you to, I want to look at you and be afraid. I want you to like, look at you and be like, this girl could rip my arm out of its socket and shove it up my ass. Like, it's just what didn't happen. Noted. All right. Final question before we go. Okay. Do you have a Valentine? Uh, my mom is my Valentine every year. So that's, that's my Valentine forever. We actually just told this story on radio about uh, when I was in elementary school, I used to be afraid to go to school because I didn't think any girls would give me Valentines. And we have a girl that works at Barstool. Her name's Ellie. And she does, she cries about everything. And I told her that story and she actually cried like in front of me, which I thought was ridiculous. But um, my mom is my Valentine. So I actually need to send her flowers. I haven't done that today. So I should probably do that. I, I tried this morning. When I woke up this morning, I went on like every single website. I was like, yeah, there's no same day delivery. Like that's on you. You should have planned better. I'm like, you're right. I should have planned better. I can swing them through Saugus on my way home if you want. Okay, deal. All right. Well, listen, before um, before I log off, I just want to say um, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know that you're a big shot now and that you're not a big the little shot. people that are from your past. So oh, I stop it. Time. But, just, you know, I want you to know and what I want them to learn from you is you used social media to strategically build your your personal brand, which mm -hmm. eventually got you your dream job. Right. It's the person that you are, Jared, that is getting you farther. You're a right. good kid. You're a kind kid. You've never strayed from who you are. You know, Barstool has this persona of being, you know, offensive and, and naughty and wrong. And you have stuck to your true being a big right. good kid, a hometown kid, someone who's a true fan. And I just want you to know I'm really proud of everything that you've done. I remember you when meeting you the first time when you were a blogger mm -hmm. and thinking, I love this kid. I hope this kid get every, gets everything he wants because he worked so hard. So to see where you are now, I just want you to know you make a lot of us proud. Well, thank you very much. And I really appreciate that. And the other thing, too, you know, you mentioned like the Ronda Rousey thing. Part of it is you have to be an extension of your true personality. Like when we were doing the Red Sox Yankee videos, I'm being a loud mouth, obnoxious fan. If you meet me in person after the game, I'll, I'll talk to you for 20 minutes. Like there's not like, uh, that's super important too, is being able to be someone that can connect with your audience. You know, if you're, if that's why, you know, you'll get tweets during the games be like, Hey, can, can you, can we come take a, take a picture or something like that? And I'll be like, Hey, after the game, come meet me at gate D and I'll spend an hour out there, like talking to people, hanging out with people. And then we invite them to the bar after. And it's like, it's great. It's like a great, like little community. So, um, that's super important. That's very, very important is, is to be able to do stuff like that. All right. Well, listen, their class ends in like five minutes. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to wrap it up and send them on their way, but I miss you terribly. I can't wait to see you next time you're home. You have to. I'll, I'll have to come visit you because you went to New York last time. That's the last time I saw you. So I'll have to come visit you. Maybe next time I'll be able to pop in for a class. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. You know, I would next time for Twitter too because you're awesome at it. All right. Well, we'll do that. All right, kiddo. I miss you. I'll talk to you later. Miss you more. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I can't see any of the students, but good luck to everyone. I hope uh, you have all the success in the world. All right, honey. Bye. Bye.